Hi, this is Tavi Kevinson, founder and editor-in-chief of RookieMag.com, and this is The Rookie Podcast. Since it's our very first episode ever, I'm so excited, uh, let me tell you a bit about what Rookie is, if you don't already know. Rookie is a website and book series for and largely by teenagers. I started it in 2011 when I was 15 because I didn't see any publications for teens or young women that I felt respected our intelligence, had actual teens writing for it, and just addressed what me and my friends and my internet friends were going through honestly. So we started publishing essays, photography, diary entries, articles, comics, all kinds of things about what we were going through. And a lot of people seemed to relate to it, and then they'd start contributing too. And it was like this great endless feedback loop of people supporting each other and identifying with each other. Rookie's been around for over five years now, and our readers have always been asking for a podcast, which is very exciting to me because I listen to a lot of podcasts and I feel like they have taught me how to be a person. There are moments from some of them that I first heard years ago and still bring up all the time in conversation or in something I'm writing or just to remind myself. Like my favorite shows make me feel like I'm listening to anything from a college lecture to a very private conversation when really I'm just at home alone deciding whether or not to keep a moldy humidifier. This week we'll show you how Rookie is going to sound. For our recurring segment, Ask a Grown, Writer and theater critic Hilton Owls will answer one of your questions about finding a career. I think um, it's too late and you're already an artist because you're asking all the questions of an artist. And before that, we have a conversation I recorded with Lord a few weeks ago. 2016 was the year of realizing stuff, as uh, <laughs> captured by Kylie Jenner. Because 2016, everyone was kind of frozen. 2017 is like, I want to feel everything, good or bad. And we'll continue to discuss the human experience through the teenage lens. I'm 20 now. I'm not a teenager anymore, but I'm also not really an adult, and I don't know if anyone is. So maybe by the end of this season, we'll all know how to be people, or at least just not know, together. Some of my favorite interviews I've done so far include George Saunders, Heaven and Tracy from the podcast Another Round, uh, the filmmaker slash artist slash writer Miranda July, the New York Times' Jenna Wortham and Jasmine Hughes. I am really excited for you to hear them and many more. All right, don't go anywhere, which I'm realizing doesn't really work to say in a podcast because it's not like you're sitting down watching TV. But just don't press stop because we're going to hear my interview with Lord after this break. Our first guest on the Rookie podcast is Ella Yelish O'Connor, but you probably know her as Lord. Ella put out her first studio record in the fall of 2013. It was called Pure Heroin. Uh, for many of you, this is not new information. It was a huge success. It was nominated for a Grammy. The song Royals made her the youngest solo performer to have a song at the top of the Billboard 100 since Tiffany in 1987. Most importantly, we all loved that album so much. That was when I first met Ella, actually, because I interviewed her for the Rookie website about it. And we became friends after that, and she's been really rad over the years in supporting Rookie. She wrote stuff for Rookie yearbooks three and four. 
uh, about her songwriting process and all of that. And I wanted to talk to her more and more and more about that because this year she's putting out a new record. It's called Melodrama. It's out June 16th. So far, two singles have come out, Greenlight and Liability. You probably love them like I do. It's okay if you don't. It's not a cult. It's fine. We talked a few weeks ago for like over two hours and there was so much we wanted to include. So we're going to play you part one of that conversation now and part two will come out closer to her album release in the summer. Just as an FYI, there's cursing as there are in articles on our site and whatever. So for now, here's me and Lord talking about growing up getting personal in your writing, and, of course, her new single that's already out called Greenlight. Hey, Ella. Hi, Tabby. <laughs> <laughs> this is really funny. Uh, We've never... Um, oh, no, we. I guess we have recorded uh, hangs before. Yeah. We've had hangs that we have... That have eventually been transcribed. That's right. It was over Skype. Over Skype, I remember yeah. that day uh-huh. like it was yesterday. <laughs> okay, no, but uh, actually, hi, uh, this is Lord. This is the Rookie Podcast. I'm Tavi. I'm not Lord. You're Lord. Hello. <laughs> Do you thanks prefer for, uh, coming to interview me? Oh, thanks for doing this. Anytime. Yeah, like, are you ever like call me Lord to people I in life? I'm not. Ever. <laughs> I I haven't gotten to that. It still feels a little bit like when someone calls me Lord, they don't know me or they aren't. I'm like, you don't know me. You know right. that person. Do you like having that separation? I don't know. I like to think that I am Ella in both things. Yeah. In in both Ella time and Lord time. So I think that I'm okay to be Ella all the time. Mm-hmm. For some reason, it makes me feel weird. I, I like. I just. I feel like I. I don't know. I'll be like on a photo shoot, and someone will be like, "Oh, Lord wants to wear the other shoes," and I'm like, <laughs> I don't feel known. <laughs> I'm sure they just like maybe she just wants to be called that. I don't know. It's weird. Having a pseudonym is so weird. Well, I was thinking about it when watching your SNL performance and like, I was like, oh, I think I've only had this experience watching like, like, I guess this is something that Sam, our friend who you know, (laughs) uh, calls like movie star acting, which is where you're like, oh, I totally at one time believe that like this person is Winona Ryder but I also believe that they're Lydia Dietz oh wow like that is probably my favorite kind of acting and I was like oh it's like she's Ella and she's Lord and it's like a hundred percent of both that makes me so happy that is something that you like want to that's the dream oh yeah I think I think that's a nice I mean I would hope that people would think that I was not just um myself kind of tooling around because I feel like my self is so boring <laughs> what i'm lame i mean uh, no, i feel like when i say like i'm lame it sounds like i'm trying to like be that person who's like right. like i'm just like you like i'm lame and i <laughs> like you know my feet smell also and it's like <laughs> no i'm just like I, so I need to i feel like i need to say that less but really i'm just like uh i don't know i, I feel such a sense of like ordinary I feel so ordinary all the time all the time I'm just like oh man it's weirdly difficult to say something that does feel like you just pointed out like self-deprecating because now it seems like a some kind of strategy for like seeming relatable yeah I mean I think everybody's smarter than falling for that at this point though so you know what I mean like everyone's so savvy with how they 
digest um, famous people and their personalities and their beliefs that I think hopefully we're in a post like I can fool people with that world. Like I, you know, I am famous, which is a crazy word to use about oneself, but I guess it is true. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's kind of, you know, you realize that people give, people attribute a sort of sheen to famous people. I know I do, and I know a lot of famous people. I still find myself thinking that their private moments or their ugly moments are far less ugly than mine. Right. I guess I don't think anyone is above feeling like, oh my God, should I text this person? Do they even like me? Like, am I, have I arrived at this thing and do I feel kind of giant and ugly and that my voice is kind of booming loud? Like, you know, when you get to something, I mean, you don't have this because you're very tiny, but (laughs) I I sort of find myself like hunching down because I feel like a giant, (laughs) which I think comes from um, being the height that I am since I was 10 um, and all the kind of all the boys are much shorter than me and I right. was kind of be like boom 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 here I am like a big uh-huh. giant in the room um, and and I don't know I just I, I feel like um, yeah I'm very aware of the kind of starkness and, and regular nature of my <laughs> life in, 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 a, in a wonderful way and I really treasure it I mean I think everyone has some version of that like I was always the short it's kind of like the inverse where like I was always the shortest kid in my class Mm. and got teased a bit for it and then would be like really mean as a response like was a bit of a bully as a response and was also very like I'll show you (laughs) sometimes I'm like I don't know if all of this would have happened if I didn't have some kind of like um Napoleon (laughs) (laughs) wow 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 Um, but I mean of course you must feel the same right like I'm sure some kids probably think like Tavia's really sparkly and her life is sparkly because you turn it into, you take moments of pain or difficulty and you write them into these very clear, very sharp, beautiful, often beautiful moments. And I think that when you, when you take your life and you put it in these, try and frame it in these sort of beautiful ways, it's easy for people to think that your life must therefore be beautiful. You know right. what I mean? Whereas like, I know that you, you just tool around and you <laughs> like, I see you and you're like, where are your pajamas? And you're like, I'm sure, I know that you, just by looking at you, I know that you feel the way that I feel, which is right. like a, an ordinary person. <laughs> right, right. And I know from your writing, that's how you feel also. No, often. yeah. I mean, I think that it's easy to sort of water emotion down to like, just beauty when you're just taking it in as a song or essay For or sure. like line of poetry but like that is but the actual experience is like can is like painful and then probably takes some time to sort of alchemize into something that's actually beautiful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i was reading stuff you said about um oh. your song liability oh <laughs> and, which i Great. love <laughs> Do you remember when I play that to you in your house? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, for our listeners listening right now, uh-huh. I, was one of the first people to hear songs from the new album. One of the first people to hear it who didn't work on it. I think you heard it before Ooh. my family, maybe. Oh, um, take you're that, like, whoa. Fam. We, I, I sat in Tavi's beautiful apartment, mm. and Aww. I, that was such a nice apartment, and I <laughs> um, played you. A few songs, and I remember them feeling like so 
they felt real when I played them for you. And your response was so beautiful. You were just like, bah! like this is like, yeah. You just yes, like really reacted in the best possible way. It made me so happy. But I remember playing that song to you and it was like, it was really crazy hearing it outside of my kind of brain and my workplace and hearing it in front of somebody. I was like, whoa, this is a trip. <laughs> well, I mean, I, it's all, I, I almost like can't believe you would expect anything else just because I was like, you know, like <laughs> no, everyone nice. so excited. It's very nice. But I also feel like, I mean, I think the way you framed it was like, oh, it's not to put words in your mouth, but like people's like as I become more known or whatever, I like the people around me, their privacy is compromised and whatever. Mm. And I was listening to it again. And I was like, that is can be in some ways like there's a level where that is about literally like privacy in the in terms of fame mm. and like uh being photographed or whatever mm-hmm. like you and your friends but mm-hmm. there's also a part of it where it really just feels like I feel like probably everyone at some point just feels like they're too much mm. mm-hmm. and there's something too about the kind of something in that song about the way it can feel if you do write about your life and you do try to translate these moments into like a sentence or something that feels beautiful, like how that can feel really lonely. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a crazy thing. I remember when we were writing that, I felt like there was something to it which kind of like twanged in the back of my brain. I was like, oh, this feels like high school. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh God, like because you know, that is that quintessential high school feeling of just it's that thing of walking into the room and, and being a giant all of a sudden. Oh. It's, it's oh, I'm way, I'm too much, you know, and people are going <laughs> to pull back, make other plans. And you're like, it's, I get it. Why wouldn't they? I'm <laughs> too much. <laughs> and I know we've talked a lot about friends or loved ones maybe are like, you know, as writers you kind of run into this thing where people are like, oh, you wrote about that or that wasn't how I saw it or whatever. And we, I remember we exchanged a lot of kind of little notes about writers saying like, you know, this isn't, um, this isn't documentary. Like if, yeah. it was, if, if we were doing that, it would be that like, this is, that's your experience of a thing. Right. Um, um, I always go back to the Vivian Gornick, which I think I sent mm, you where mm-hmm, she's like, mm-hmm. It's mine. It's not yours. Yes, it's yeah. not a historical document. It's not a police record. Totally, totally. And, and I, I, yeah, I um, I wrote. Um, there's a song on the record, and we wrote it right at the end. And it's like one of my favorite. It's maybe yeah. It's one of my. I have so many favorites on the record, but oh. um, the line is "Bet you rue the day you kissed a writer in the dark." Because it's like, what do you, what do you think was going to happen that night? <laughs> you know, and that was sort of, that's Fulani. <laughs> but that was sort of my way of reconciling, like, you know, you, I, for me, I, 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 there's, a, there's an element of like, oh God, you know, you first thinking you feel guilt or you feel, right. oh, am I, am I telling it right? It's, you know, it's all those things that we yeah. talked, talked about. And then it's like, it's like, no, no one gets to make you feel inferior or shitty for 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 it's like that's what happens when you kiss a writer in the dark that's that's what's gonna happen (laughs) in some ways I see making work as like I just need to get it out of my head to in front of me and when I can see it all and that's you know obviously the song being written then I'm 
then I start to make sense of whatever it was that happened. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm a very visual person and sometimes I'll put paper up on the wall and write out a song as it comes together. And so I can see all of the, I need all the words to kind of wash over me or just kind of hit me. And then I feel like I have a much clearer picture of the song. And to me, it's like, yeah, it's, it's definitely never about um, poking anyone in the side, you know? (laughs) I also think like the work gets better when like, I mean, I think most beliefs I've tried, like, my positions on most things kind mm-hmm. of like go to different extremes until they settle in a kind of comfortable happy medium yeah. <laughs> yeah and like i was probably at first like it's so wrong to write about people and then i was like no like fuck you i can do whatever i want and then probably like the work got better when i was mm-hmm. like it's not really about like your motives or like Mm-mm. vengeance or just like make work that feels the most true to life will make what needs to be made as well like I think the work needs to be made we we don't just like I'm definitely not just here because I I mean I'm here because I enjoy making songs and because it pushes my buttons but we've talked about this like there's a certain type of creative who makes things to survive Mm. (laughs) and it's like it, the things need to be made like yeah <laughs> this is so intense no <laughs> couple of intense girls sitting at a table yeah just airing so their intense feelings. emotional you can't even believe i 2017 is the year of emotion oh 2016 was the year of realizing stuff as uh <laughs> captured by kylie jenner 2017 is the year of emotion not necessarily skewed good or bad just like mm. this outpouring of emotion because 2016 everyone was kind of frozen it was such right. an intense year and i feel like everyone had to sort of shell themselves off from the world in a way mm. so as not to take on too much and po- mm. poisoned and i feel like 2017 is like i want to feel everything good or bad like it is just outpouring i feel like what brought you to this conclusion i don't know i just i feel like all of my friends and everyone i'm like this is this is what's going on this year Mm -hmm. whether it's like whether it's super good super bad if you think about your life i bet you'll be like maybe this is true oh i really like this so do you write out the words on paper and then they're on your wall or like what are I like knowing that you have these other um that seems like less uh I don't not straightforward but like just standard than the way I think most songs are written right well so I um write everything on my computer in my like notes section which is super uh like sterile and not romantic I'm gonna have no like uh bags of like notebooks and you keep you keep diaries which i am very impressed with but i honestly now i'm like i just want to type really interesting yeah Yeah, no but i i'm a visual person and i feel like i need to i often need to kind of see something outside of that so at one point i um covered my kitchen table in new zealand with i printed out everything i had for the album and this was like like a lot like maybe a year ago or slightly less but I printed everything out and I printed out all these bits that I thought were cool and like little lines that I thought were cool and I color-coded everything <gasps> in terms of like like all the sad moments of the record and like a song could be totally happy and have one little 
sad blue area. Like it was like I would literally pick out like moments in songs or whatever. Or there would be, you know, really happy ones. There'd be like ones about partying. Literally partying had a color because I was like. What color was it? Um, I think it was purple. Uh-huh. I was like, there can't be too much. What if there's too much parties? Music? <laughs> it's about parties on the record. Um, and and I, I colored out the whole thing and it was covering the table for a long time. And anytime I would have people over, I'd have to like throw a, a big towel <laughs> over and be like, or like just be like, don't look at the table. Like my whole life is there. You might see yourself there. Stay away for your own good, um, which was hilarious. Um, and then later on, as I started traveling, I remember I figured out a way of summarizing each of the songs that we had for the album. And um, like Greenlight was like, um, I whisper things, the city sings them back to you. Those rumors, they have big teeth. I wish I could get my things and just let go. I'm waiting for it. It was something like that. Just like a few lines from the song, which is like enough to be able to read the whole song in short form, you know? And I did that for every song on the record and I could read them in like, you know, it was like all of 200 words to read the whole album. And it was really helpful in terms of being like, what haven't I said that I know I'm going to want to include on this record that I haven't, that I haven't figured out a way to say it. It was like a really good way of kind of seeing the gaps. And I I would put that up in every hotel room that I was in for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then like, I remember it was like, for a long time we had these gaps and then I got to New York this trip, um, which was at the end of January and I very quickly filled the last two spaces on the record and I said everything that I had known wasn't on my big bit of paper on the wall for six months and I was like, that's it. We've, we're, 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 the story's told in terms of, you know, what I need to actually write um, lyrically. And and that was amazing. It was such a good feeling. It, uh, yeah, I was like, ooh, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna snip the, uh, snip the end off the, uh, I don't know what that metaphor is. Umbilical the... cord. Uh, yeah, oh shit, yeah, <laughs> probably an umbilical cord. Yeah, the umbilical cord is snipped. No, actually I feel like at this point, I'm like, I keep making this joke to everyone, I'm like, She's crowning. She's crowning. And everyone's like, yuck. But I, I, uh, I saw my, I, I was like present for a delivery of a baby. My friend had a baby uh-huh. and I literally saw a baby crowning. And so now I'm like, that's where I'm at. She's crowning. <laughs> and in a couple months, she'll, uh, oh my God. she'll slide right out. <laughs> yuck. Sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> I'm uh, really making your podcast very cool and chic. I love it so much. <laughs> I remember right after Greenlight came out, you were like talking about how like it's poppier than your other songs on a very superficial like sonic level, but it is also unconventional as a pop song. And you were like kind of talking about the feedback you'd gotten about that before it even came out. And you were like, this is what the song is asking to be. Yeah. That's, that's, I remember I said, that's how it was born. And, and it truly was like, I, uh, I have this way. I should find this. This is actually really cool. Do you want to hear something cool? Yeah. I'll play it into the microphone. Cool. It's, uh, I found this recording of us coming up with the, um, with the song. And it's kind of amazing. And you'll hear like, this is exactly how the song was born. It's like, 
It's a fascinating thing. Hang on. Oh Where my is God. It? Very first green light, it's called. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it's long. Let me see. Oh, so, okay. So we had gone to a concert. We'd gone to see Florence in the Machine the night before. And, and she, neither of us heard the song. And we couldn't, I mean, I couldn't tell you what it was. But her player um, did this big kind of jangly movement with her hands on the piano. And it was literally the, the physicality of that movement that became the way we played, the, the way Jack played that. Um, it definitely, like, it didn't come from anything musical. It was literally seeing her hands kind of banging down. So this is what he's talking about. Hearing it, like, very, like, British, like, kind of like the French thing, like, like... This is the day we wrote it. Love that. Hope they bite you. Thought you said that you would always be in love. But you're not in love. No more. Did it frighten you? How we kissed when we danced on the light up floor. On the light up floor. Wait, wait, what's the note? So this was our like James Taylor pre originally. So that is, you see what I mean? That's exactly how that song was born. It truly had no other form. And so when people say, you know, you know, for any argument that is like, oh, you know, she went pop or whatever, it's like, that's just the inside of my brain. And that's that's how a song like that is literally, that's how it enters the world and that's how it, you know, goes out into the universe. So when you sing it now or you hear that, it, does it still feel connected to the real life thing that inspired it or is it like totally a new beast it's funny i think that when you um make a pop song out of something it kind of i think it's a bit of both i'm i'm picturing like a a hand holding a forearm holding a hand it's like <laughs> a weird like one of those uh, uh tarot cards or something um uh-huh. i think that it obviously you pick moments to include you know you edit a situation you edit a month you edit a year or whatever and and put it into a song and in some ways it I mean no I think I still see the situation fully but I think with a song like that you know you 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 listen to it over and over and you relive doing your makeup in a different person's car and you relive that feeling of she thinks you love the beach she thinks you love the beach. That's not true. You don't love the beach. You don't love the beach. You know, you, you relive these little moments that, yeah. um, you know, that obviously aren't like the fullness of the situation. But mm. I think that, I think that that song really, I think all my best songs help to kind of crystallize something that I was feeling and sort of pull it all into a centralized place, you know, where it might have been spread out before. I feel like it comes together and it crystallizes and I, see what it was that he was feeling for the first time 
Um, I mean, in the case of that song, I, I, I didn't know I felt that way until we wrote the song. It was like very much like, oh, right, that's how it is. And so with a song like that, I hear it and I, I, I still feel like it crystallized something important for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that funny, that voice recording? <laughs> I, I loved hearing that so much. This is Rookie the Podcast, and there's more coming up after this break. So how do you, like, stop time in order to write about your life? Huh, interesting question. So I kind of started writing the record um, after I went through a breakup. It was like the floodgates just opened and all of a sudden I, and I wasn't even writing about that situation. Mm -hmm. I just, I felt so whole and singular and like, I felt like I had had like half of myself in the sun for a long time. And now it was like, oh my God, like it's all good in the sun. And I could kind of, um, I don't know. I just, I just instantly felt very creative and very productive um, and wrote a lot. And then I kind of wrote a lot in that first like kind of six month period of being single. And it was really interesting. Um, and, and like, you know, to, to be writing the last songs, which I wrote, you know, only a couple of months ago um mm-hmm. it's interesting to kind of look back on the period that we were writing about which was you know now a year ago a lot of it um and it kind of it's I'm glad we took so long because it meant we were able to sort of I feel like I was able to look back on those situations from a year ago more fully and ask the questions that I maybe hadn't been um and that maybe I'd been having too much fun to ask at the time or that I was too sad to ask at the time or whatever you know um I was you know it's nice to be able to kind of look back with an even head having um come out of you know a fun crazy heartbreaking turbulent period Mm -hmm. um yeah I don't I well I my thing that I do is I do all the things that I write about in New Zealand and I come to America and I write about them. So in, I, I've basically, I mean, bar a couple of small moments on the record, which are very much um, retrospective. Um, I really don't write about my time in America very often. Hmm. And I don't know why that is. I guess I'm just still very much like New Zealand is where I'm from. And so I guess there is an element of of this this freezing of time when I, you know, will be in New Zealand for two months over summer and then I'll come here for three months and and write about everything I did those months ago. You know, I don't write about anything that happens in the time when I'm in New York really, but I think that the separation of those two places and states of mind means that I'm able to like, I feel like I I would never write, I would I would pre-write some stuff in New Zealand like, details that would happen you know during a night or the morning after or you know being in the car on the way somewhere and looking at somebody and writing something down you know but I feel like I don't know if I would have been able to write the songs and see the pictures as clearly as I do when I come here Mm -hmm. it's like 
how some people don't like to work at home you know it's like good to right. just go somewhere even if you just go to a coffee shop like because it can be hard to work surrounded by your things and yeah. your life and all of these um little markers of yourself and other people so I guess time does stop in a way um but I kind of like I like it it sort of feels like limbo and when I come here I kind of it can be quite solitary and it's often like I feel like it's very cold it's been very cold mm-hmm. for the last kind of wee while since I've been coming here and I'll sort of spend a lot of time by myself and you know I'll be living in these big kind of strange hotels and you know I go to the gym in the middle of the night and go <laughs> for a walk and it's uh it feels weirdly like um I feel like it's like a monk or something. I'm, I'm like very, uh, it's very disciplined. It's, right. uh, it's, it's really, I, I almost never like, you know, party here. And then when I go home, I, all I do is just like, I'm just like a, a, a teenage boy. Just, uh, <laughs> I love to party. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm just like, I feel like my friends in New Zealand forget that I have any kind of like formal employment commitments (laughs) they're like ella is just that like ella has like a a house weirdly and it's just like really (laughs) nice and wants to like make drinks for everyone all the time like (laughs) it's just like who i am down there (laughs) that's do you you said sometimes you'll write in your phone as these events are unfolding Mm, is there ever a part of you that's like this could be material or does that ever turn off no, I think that that turns off. I think that I, I think that I write. Um, the writing feels symptomatic of my life. I mean, you just realize something looking at someone. You can be sitting across from somebody and realize they will never love you like you want them to, or whatever mm. you know. And it's and you, it's that shock of that realization. It's like, well, I'm I got to write this down because this oh. is an insane moment you know um right it's definitely a strange thing that's probably better you're not engineering just because i find like you can't be that inspired by something that came from your own head well that's the thing i think that i i think the second i was um outsmarting myself i would not feel super inspired i think because life continues to surprise me i um keep having things to write about and i think like a lot of people who, you know, I know you, and you were like this because you were a tiny genius. When you um, were maybe like somebody called you like gifted at school, you mm-hmm. know, and, and you were good at things and you were quick and like schoolwork came quickly to you and you kind of always could sort of get things done. And you were always like, in a lot of ways, like I think intelligent young people have an easy ride and a lot of us are very lazy I was a very very lazy mm-hmm. um young person you know going through school or um you know doing stuff outside of school I feel like I would just kind of I could just get it done and I think that the fact that the one thing that you can't get done or nail or clock is <laughs> being a person being alive life will never go the way you want it to and you can never you can't choose and you can't ace it and I think that that is something that I is the second I realized that oh you know because obviously when you're 
13 and you're, you know, intelligent, you feel like the king of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's sort of around the time that you realize, oh, none of this is going to go the way I decide it will go. Um, and I think that was the moment where I really got hooked on <laughs> just like being alive. It's like drugs. You're just like, <laughs> oh my God, like I can I can go outside and the sun is going to do a certain thing to a person's face and it's going to blow my mind. And that is something that I that I will never tire of and that's something that I will always want to try and make sense of in the form of, for me, writing. Ah, that was Ella, a.k.a. Lord. And you should go find her new songs Greenlight and Liability wherever you listen to music, or stream, or download. Also, look out for part two of that conversation in June. Now it's time for something we're going to do every so often here on the Rookie Podcast, like we do on our website, rookiemag.com. Ask a Grown is where you send us your life problems, like anything you'd like a grown person's advice about, and we put the question to Rookie Friends. So this week, we are asking grown man Hilton Owls to give us some advice. Hilton is the theater critic for The New Yorker magazine. He's written books titled The Women and White Girls and worked with artists in museums like The Whitney here in New York. He won a Guggenheim Fellowship, and he's been nominated for a Pulitzer for his criticism. So he, like, knows a thing or two, I guess. I know Hilton because he was, like, a big rookie supporter and um, reached out, and he's become a kind of mentor slash dad slash uncle slash brother slash teacher to me and also is maybe one of the only critics of any kind whose ideas about art I think actually make art better. His criticism is its own form of art and if you're not already familiar with it I would recommend it as an example of how writing about something you love can actually be as good as the thing you love. Uh, So I could go on and on about that but today he's going to extend the same kindness and expertise to one of our readers. Here's our first Ask a Grown featuring Hilton Owls. Are you comfortable answering a, a question from a a young person in need of advice? Um, sure, but she doesn't have to take it. That fair. Let's have, let's yes. start with that. Let's start with that. Okay. This person wrote in and said, "It's hi rookie." It's about that time in my life when I need to start thinking about my future career. Mm. I'm one of those people who has always gotten straight A's, and because of this, I'm planning to get into a very high science degree after I finish high school. But I find science so difficult, and I don't like it. My absolute dream job is to do anything in art, whether it be something in marketing, graphic design, photography, anything. I have loved art since I was tiny. I am an extremely creative person, and I've always done art as a subject at school. My parents have always pushed that I need to make a lot of money and become a scientist or something and not become a starving artist and waste my intelligence. I don't know what to do. They put so much pressure on me to do well in school and get into a really prestigious course. If I told them I wanted to work in an art career, they would flip. They've always supported my art as a hobby, just not as a career. My main goal for my career is to just make a heap of money. And I've looked into how much money people earn in art careers, and it's not as much as I hoped. Oh, no kidding. 
are my parents right? Should I not waste my intelligence? Do you think I'm just being too lazy and giving up on science because it's hard? How do I tell my parents? Should I even care about how much money I'll earn if it's a job I'll actually enjoy? Please help me. Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> Dear help. Um, <laughs> I think that I think um, it's too late and you're already an artist because you're asking all the questions mm. of an artist, which includes... You know, who am I? Mm. What do other people think of me? Mm. I don't care what other people think of me. I, I, you have to do the work. Life is very short and very fast and long at the same time. And there is no living with yourself. It's like getting the wrong boyfriend mm. and just say, oh, I'll deal with it for 40 years. It's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, not the, it's not the way to go. You're already the artist that you are because you're asking the questions. Mm. If you were a scientist, you wouldn't be asking these, asking these questions. Mm -hmm. You're not a scientist, you're an artist. And unfortunately, it's not a profession that's widely valued mm -hmm. in this society, but you know what, you have the option. You can go to France one day or mm -hmm. even London or Stockholm and, and be cherished. And don't worry, you'll make a living because you have a lot of energy. I think that's a wonderful answer. Yeah, she's she sounds great. But she's already an artist. I know. And there's also... I, could, I couldn't get a... It sounds like she's looking at colleges. Uh -huh. It's like... The, I know in high school, they act like you have to know exactly what you're going to do every day for the rest of your life right now. Right. But it's just not the case. And I think while you're still able to, without too much, like financial trouble try things yeah. you should yeah especially well because you're given you're giving yourself the gift of your own Im imagination and creativity mm. you know there a lot of people don't have that and i think that they're threatened by it so let them be threatened but do your work it's not your job take care of them oh that was beautiful thank you so much hilton if you want some advice, you can send a voice memo of yourself asking a question to podcast at rookiemag.com. You can record it on your computer or phone. Just keep it kind of short, like one minute max, and then email it to us. Or if you don't want to hear your voice on the show or you're talking about someone who will recognize you, you can email your question to us at you, that's Y-O-U, asked it at rookiemag.com. I'm just going to spell it out because I have kind of a lisp. Y-O-U. A-S-K-E-D-I-T at RookieMag.com Be sure to include your first name or nickname, your age, and your location. Excited to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the first ever episode of The Rookie Podcast. We'll be back next week with more, including an interview with Tracy Clayton and Heaven Nigatu, hosts of one of my favorite podcasts, Another Round. I like professionally strive to get to like teen me because <laughs> uh -huh. I was just so much more confident, cared so much less about other people. My, my motto was never settle for less. That's next week. I'm your host, Tavi Gevinson. If you liked Rookie the Podcast, please give us a rating and review the show on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts as we gear up for the rest of the season. You can find us at RookieMag.com, RookiePodcast.MTV.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at RookieMag. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as well. My handle is Tavi Tool, T-A-V-I-T-U-L-L-E. 
And um, when you're done with all of the tabs and social media and you just can't get enough of our podcast, you should tell a friend about it or tag us in a picture of yourself listening to it or get on the train with a Bluetooth speaker and yell showtime and then just blast it from the speaker. Street marketing. Viral street marketing. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. This episode of Rookie was produced by Mukta Mohan, Michael Catano, Kesha Mihailovic, and James T. Green for the MTV Podcast Network. Thanks to Lauren Redding for making the Rookie Podcast happen, to Lena Singer for picking advice questions, and thanks to Maria Ines Go for the portraits and doodles, to Cynthia Merhedge for Rookie's logo, to Hattie Stewart for the logo doodles, and to Beth Heckel for the jewels.